morning, good evening, good night, wherever or whoever you may be. I am Alan Arante, and this is The Recluse Podcast. Today's guest is Matthew Perez. He is a photographer based in the Ventura County. He has worked with multiple nonprofit humanitarian organizations over the years and has traveled to countries like Cambodia, Sri Lanka, just to name a couple. Matthew has been photographing the recent protests that had been taking place in the Ventura County, including the Oxnard and Ventura marches and protests. We talk about the power in these photos and why it is important to document these events. I ask him about the feelings that come with standing between police officers and a crowd. I'm happy to have made his acquaintance. I can't wait to stand on his new boat, Stimulus, out on the sea. So without further delay, this is a portrait of Matthew Perez. Who the hell are you? How the hell are you? Uh, first off, I'm I'm great, man. It's uh, it's definitely a hot today, but um, yeah, no, definitely definitely doing really good. I've been staying busy with the quarantine stuff, but um, yeah, who I am? Uh, I am uh, man. I'm just simply a 28 year old kid just trying to figure out life. Um, I do uh, photography and videography as a side uh, job. I work full-time still, but uh, I've been doing photography and videography for quite a while, just doing um, different types of projects, whether it's been uh, photo shoots or video shoots, uh, weddings, the sound and tech production, um, just kind of like a techie kind of person. And so uh, kind of got into that field for, for quite a few years and uh, just kind of been rolling with it and uh, staying extremely busy with COVID and all that. Have you always been techie? Like, you know, even when you were young, 10 years old, did technology always interest you? Yeah, no, I definitely say it, it has. Um, it's always been something that I, I'm not very like techie in the sense of it just comes naturally, but I'm just good at figuring stuff out. And so ever since I was like a young kid in like a uh, youth group at my uh, church back in the day, I uh, started doing sound and tech um, back then. And I just kind of like would play with knobs and kind of figure <laughs> out how things worked. And then it, that kind of led into like, you know, all the other tech stuff from lighting and production, the photography, videography. It's like never came naturally, but it definitely was something that I was able to kind of learn over time. Wow. So being involved in the church, did that sort of put you in this environment where you could observe the lighting, uh, the the uh, the soundboards and the cameras and stuff like that did that that gave you a sort of a primer it sounds like for what you're doing now yeah no definitely it's uh it's something that, that i've been doing since um i was about a teenager um uh, i work about three three kind of like main jobs um one of them is working at a church doing the overseeing all the sound and tech for the church and it's definitely been kind of like a gateway for that kind of creative spark when it comes to just lighting and sound design and stuff like that, because a lot of, you know, what we do in photography, videography, you know, it has to do with like lighting and sound and, you know, how to, you know, draw people in, in a sense. So yeah, definitely the sound and tech uh, <laughs> working for a church had a big in, impact on, on me. Do you also enjoy, I mean, obviously everybody enjoys movies, but when you watch a movie, do you pay attention to, to some of those elements? I would definitely say within like the last three years is really when, um, I started to notice certain things because 
you know how it goes with social media when you when you're into something when you're um some like you know photography or sports or whatever it is um i swear like instagram just knows to where like i i see all these (laughs) instagram pages where they post about how movies are made and lighting and how they do certain things where the last three years i've definitely noticed that i start to get really like not nitpicky but i start to really notice different things about um you know if i'm watching a movie or a tv show or or whatever it is that i start kind of to kind of notice those things. Yeah, I'm not a movie buff by any by any means, but I uh, recently have been watching these film analyses on The Shining. I've actually never even seen The Shining, um, but I've been watching these film analyses on it. And uh, Stanley Kubrick just it's so detailed and ambiguous and complex um, and it, it, it makes me wish I could make movies like it, so I'm just an appreciator of it. Um, so I was just curious uh, if if just knowing about some of the things, you know, about the uh, lighting, the, the filming and the photography that you do, I would guess that uh, you you just enjoy it, too, when you watch a movie. Has there been a movie recently in the past couple of years that you really were inspired by or you enjoyed a lot because of those elements? Um. Honestly, like it's uh, it might be, it might be uh, Joker. To be honest, mm. um, the lighting. First off, the acting is is the most like I've never felt uncomfortable watching a movie, um, <laughs> until I watched Joker because of how like good of an actor he is, and and basically just like the lighting design um is is phenomenal. This the sound uh, design on it is is definitely one of those movies where like. That's probably where like I definitely started to notice a lot more, and that movie really stood out um, in like all aspects when I watched it because I've seen it like two or three times, and I think every time I I watch it again, it something new pops out, and it's definitely yeah, it creates this huge appreciation for you know the art form of of everything that goes into you know making a movie. Yeah, I I was going to bring up Joker, but I wasn't sure if it was like. Um corny or something i i actually really liked it i saw it in theaters and then i ended up renting it i don't know six months later just recently we rented it um i i love it the aesthetics the the grittiness of yeah. how they portray new york city um in that time frame uh the acting uh yeah i i love the joker as soon as that movie was over i was like just imagining i'm not even a filmmaker but i'm imagining like what i would do with the film that's how uh, how much I liked it. Um, that's cool. I, I'm I'm happy to hear that you that you liked it as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so, were you born around here? Were are you a transplant from somewhere? Um. So I was born in Washington State, but I've pretty much grown up here in Southern California most of my life. Um. You know, it's it's Camarillo. Um, I live here in Camarillo, and it's it's always been you know home base. Um, but I, but I have, I mean, I spent about two and a half years living in Hawaii and then I spent wow. some time in Canada and then I spent about nine months, uh, living in Southeast Asia. And so I'm kind of like, uh, I move around a lot. I like to travel <laughs> and, um, I love to utilize, you know, the photography, videography, especially when it comes to traveling. So home base is definitely Ventura County, but I mean, I just love, you know, being able to, to travel a lot and kind of call different places home for, you know, however long I can. Wow. Uh, how, what took you to those places? Canada, Southeast Asia, um, you said Hawaii, what, what took you there? Yeah. So I, um, 
I first moved uh, to Hawaii in 2012. I moved out there to work with a nonprofit humanitarian organization. It's called Surfing the Nations. And it's uh, basically just an organization where we utilize the sport of surfing as a means to give back to different communities. So they have like, you know, outreach trips to um, Indonesia, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, uh, the Philippines, Israel, Egypt, Jordan, uh, North Korea. Like they, they travel um, to different countries around the world. And, you know, surfing is just kind of like the means to, you know, we take medical supplies, clothes, um, different things and do projects within different communities. So um, that kind of led me out to Hawaii. I went out there for a three month internship. I spent two and a half years there. <laughs> And then uh, I ended up uh, making the hardest decision I've ever had to make, and that was leaving Hawaii. But um, yeah, I left uh, Hawaii in 2015 and then spent about mm, six, five or six months up in Canada uh, working for a summer camp. Um, I was offered a position doing a, a camp counselor and a boat driver, which honestly was like the coolest like summer gig I've ever been able to do because you just drive boats and you just do crazy things for a week at a time with you know these huge groups of kids so that was awesome and then uh, when I went out to Asia I spent five months in Cambodia and then two months in Sri Lanka and then one month in Indonesia and one month in Thailand and all of those countries were all non-profit humanitarian based um, so just working uh, teaching English to, you know, traveling around and just doing different projects with orphanages and stuff like that. So um, for the most part, all of it's kind of been nonprofit humanitarian based um, when it comes to, you know, the places that have traveled and lived. Wow. Uh, I've been to Hawaii and Canada, barely Canada, though. I was uh, like, if you drive from here straight up to Canada, that's basically where we were on. Um, I think it's uh, Victoria Island. I can't remember what the island yeah. is. And uh, it was awesome. Uh, when you were in Asia, you said Cambodia, Sri Lanka. Were there any remnants of the the Vietnam War? Did you get any Vietnam War vibes? Is there anything um, alive uh, from that time period still? Yeah. So when I was in Cambodia, um, I wouldn't say um, there's remnants of like the Vietnam war, but there is a remnants of, um, Pol Pot. He was a dictator in Cambodia mm. and, uh, it was just a really gnarly story. If you don't know the history of Cambodia, it's definitely something, um, that, uh, is worth kind of learning about, but Pol Pot was basically this dictator that, um, took over, uh, the capital, um, and Phnom Penh. And basically he, he, and if you were educated, if you wore glasses, if you're a doctor, lawyer, banker, business owner, um, he, he basically murdered millions of people. And so he, he was in control of Cambodia for a number of years. But when I was in, when I was in Cambodia, obviously, you know, a lot of that had already passed, but they were still in a rebuilding phase to where, um, you know, it was one of those things you don't really talk about. Um, you know, there's museums wow. and, and a lot of things that, you know, you can go and see to kind of like experience like you know what the history is really like but um it's one of those unspoken things where anyone that's kind of like you know of a certain age and like older you just really don't say anything about mm -hmm. that you don't ask them questions because it, it was like you know one of the most you know horrific genocides so there's there's history in cambodia um within itself and then along with like sri lanka um they they also uh, spent a lot of times within civil war um, that, uh, you know, they're still kind of rebuilding and, and, you know, a lot of this ended kind of like eighties to nineties. So it's really not that long ago. Right. But 
Um, for the most part, yeah, I mean, a lot of the countries that I've been to, you know, they have a history. Um, I haven't been to Vietnam, but uh, the countries that I did go to, they have history within like a lot of civil war and, and dictators and stuff like that. So there is um, a lot of rebuilding. You can kind of see the history there, some of the remnants and stuff. But um, yeah, it's pretty heavy at, at some times when it comes to like, you know, the history of some of these places. Yeah, I imagine. Um, did, well, actually, did you know anything about that history prior to landing or did you sort of all of a sudden you're in the middle of it and you're like, wow, there's a lot going on here? Yeah, no, to be honest, um, Cambodia, um, I didn't really know too much about the history, but the awesome part about the organization I worked with um, out there is um, I worked for a school teaching English and it was in southern Cambodia in Sihanoukville. And before they take us down to, um, you know, where we're going to be living, uh, they, they like to take, um, you know, everybody on these tours where they just kind of give you a brief history of like everything. And so you got to... Um, I'm pretty sure it's called S22, which is basically a school where, you know, they converted from a school to a prison and the killing fields and, and kind of take you through wow. the history of, you know, what really went on in Cambodia. So you kind of have an understanding going into it before you get to like, you know, spending, you know, too much time there to where it's like, you know, they just want you to be aware of it. But yeah, I definitely didn't know um, a lot of the history before I got there. So it was definitely an eye-opening experience I and mean, pretty heavy at, um, at certain times, but it was awesome to, to kind of like know the history of it, but then get to know the people. And it was just amazing to kind of see, you know, how much they've, they've, um, I guess how far they've come from that time. Yeah. It, yeah. I can imagine how heavy that is. I, like I was imagining myself having all these questions that I would want to ask, but it's such a traumatic period in these people's lives. It would, just be offensive to, to bring that up. I mean, it, it would just feel so wrong, I would imagine. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you have to be very wise and, and careful on how you approach certain situations. Because obviously, it's one of those things where we as outsiders want to know about, you know, what's been going on. And we want to understand, you know, where they're coming from and, and, you know, all these things. But it's at the same time, it's like, you know, you have to be careful that you're not going to try to open up old wounds or, or bring up memories that they've been you know, trying to kind of get past and, and start a new beginning and stuff. So it is it is tough kind of uh, walking that tight line of like, you know, what's appropriate to ask and what's not appropriate to ask. And like, you know, how can you honor, you know, them within like, you mm. know, wanting to know more about their past, but not wanting to, you know, open up those old wounds. Yeah. Um, so in terms of yourself, uh, not talking about other countries, uh, your own history. Did you enjoy school as a kid? Uh, yeah. Um, it's funny because I was actually homeschooled my entire life. So from oh, wow. uh, ever since a kid <laughs> to high school, I was uh, homeschooled. In high school, I did independent studies. But I mean, that's for the most part, you know, still still homeschooled. Um, so I definitely missed out on some experience, a lot of experiences that, that you typically would have in public school. But um, I was also definitely um, thankful for, you know, the opportunities I had when I was being homeschooled because it definitely opened up some doors to um, some things that I was passionate about back in that day and that time. How how my first question whenever I hear about homeschooling, which I've heard great things, I've talked to a few people who have been homeschooled and they're they're successful and rounded. So there's like nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. The question I always have, though, is. How do you make friends? Did you make friends through church or or what? Yeah, so 
Um, there was a couple different ways. Um, church was a big one. Um, my, my family's always been very involved within the church. Um, and so that was definitely a big part of like, you know, being able to grow, you know, that friend group. But, um, also we, we did a homeschooling group, uh, that met, um, it used to meet in Ventura and then it moved to Oxnard. But, uh, that was another way of just being able to like, and it was, it was kind of nice to have like that mutual, um, you know, kind of like medium where it was like, yeah, we don't really see each other all the time, but like, we're both homeschoolers. We both understand what the struggle is, you know, when it yeah. comes to just being stuck at home and wanting to, you know, do stuff. But it was definitely a church and then a homeschooling group, uh, definitely had a big impact on, on that. So that was, those were definitely probably the two main ways. And then obviously, you know, your neighbors and the people on your street. So when they get out of school, then it's like, you know, you're running over to their house to hang out. Did you end up going to college? So I, um, um, I actually opted out of college. I had an opportunity to race sailboats at a, at a higher level. Um, so I spent, um, a lot of my time out on the ocean. I was racing, uh, sailboats anywhere, you know, up and down the coast of, uh, you know, Southern California, Mexico. Are you Uh, kidding me? You raced sailboats. Yeah, I raced sailboats for for a number of years. And that's why I was pretty thankful for homeschooling, because while I was being homeschooled, I was still able to go sail a lot. Um, You know, even when my friends were in school, I could go down to the harbor and and practice and race and and sail and stuff. So I think that's why I'm kind of like I I appreciated uh, homeschooling (laughs) at that time. Wow. Um, I'm joking when I say this, but when you say racing sailboats, it's almost like an oxymoron because I imagine sailboats being really slow. Can you really pick up speed in those things or is it just simply being faster than the other boats? Uh, Both. I mean, like, I mean, when it comes to racing sailboats, I mean, obviously what you're trying to do is be faster than all the other boats on the water. But at the same time, like, especially back in the day, like in um, relation to like, today's racing sailboats like yeah they were super slow but i mean you have hydrofoiling 70 foot you know monohulls <laughs> the catamarans and like they they do like 40 miles an hour 50 miles an hour like they can oh fly. wow so i mean back in the day yeah they were slow relative to you know today's race boats but i mean still even back then i mean you can get up and go you can go pretty fast on it and it really depended on what boat you were on how does a person even get into that? How, how did you find yourself in that position of learning how to uh, sail a boat and then racing a boat? How do you get there? You know, it's funny you ask because uh, yesterday I went out to dinner in Ventura and as soon as I parked and we were walking to where we're going to go eat, I saw my friend Parker Jellison, who uh, he's the guy who who first got me into sailing. Um, and I haven't seen him in, a, in a, quite a while, but he was the guy, he took me sailing once and then I was completely <laughs> hooked. And so, uh, I ended up taking sailing lessons in Ventura Harbor. Um, and then the, you know, my same friend who got me into sailing, he asked, he got me into racing. And the first time I raced, I knew that like, that was it. Like I just wanted to race. And so then it kind of snowballed into, you know, a lot of years of, of being able to, to race, um, all over the place. Wow. So if you ever go to the marina now or if you're walking along the beach and you're looking out in the ocean, uh, specifically a marina, do you sort of do the boats catch your eye? Are you noticing things that like the average person isn't noticing? 
Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I worked for companies, um, you know, probably like in my high school days, I used to work for a couple companies that worked on powerboats, sport fishers and stuff. So I think it's not just sailboats that really catch my eye. It's just mm. boats in general. And so, you know, especially race boats, when I'm walking like in a, you know, bigger harbors like Newport or Marina del Rey, mm. San Diego, like there's, uh, there's so many race boats down <laughs> in those harbors. So those really catch my eye because there's gorgeous boats, but, uh, um, power boats as well. I, I have a, I actually just purchased a 24 foot power boat, um, which a wow. lot of people didn't know why, cause sailing has <laughs> always been my background, but, um, I mean, boats in general are just a passion of mine as well. Does that boat that you just bought, does it have a name? <laughs> so, uh, I was talking, I bought the boat with my brother-in-law and I, uh, I propose we call it Rona, but, uh, he said <laughs> that it might be insensitive and I was like, fair enough. And so uh, we're actually going to name it Stimulus. Mm. Oh, okay. I like that. Because <laughs> it's pretty much my stimulus check. Um, where? What harbor is it going to stay? Where, where uh, will it gonna, be? Ideally, we're going to keep it in Channel Islands Harbor. Oh, cool. Um, I will have one of these days. You will have to take me out there. Oh, 100%. Dude, it, it, um, I'm so excited to get in the water so that we can uh, start making some trips. Oh, man. And... Uh, do you imagine yourself getting any photography done? Well, actually, I mean, you've been on boats for, you know, for years now. Um, but yes, yeah, so do you see this as an opportunity to get photography out there in the ocean? Yeah, no, I honestly like that was definitely a, a big um, part because I mean, I, I love surfing. I love, you know, being on the water fishing and, and you know, spear fishing, whatever, like, but at the same time um, with, you know, kind of like just developing myself as a photographer, I was really excited to kind of get um, I guess a different perspective of Ventura County because, um, you know, it's definitely a different perspective when you're out on the water. And so mm. I definitely want to try to utilize, you know, this boat to be able to um, get some unique perspectives of Ventura from like on the ocean and even like the Channel Islands. I mean, the islands are beautiful. They're amazing places. And so I definitely want to use photography, um, use this boat for a means of, of a different type of photography um, as much as I can in videography. This boat, it'll be able to get to the Channel Islands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so it's, uh, it, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's basically, it has a cuddy cabin, so it has a, a two burner stove, a little sink, a, a toilet. Oh, so it's basically goodness. one of those things where we're trying to make weekend trips. So you got to the islands for, you know, wow. three days, two days. So it's going to be one of those. Oh my God. See, I was, cause I don't know anything about boats. I was imagining just like a little fishing boat with a motor on the back or something. You're saying, I mean, th- how, like this thing is 24 feet long, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that sounds pretty big. It's definitely bigger than, than what I was looking for initially. But it kind of it was one of those things that it snowballed from being like a just a little day, you know, center console, fun little boat to like, <laughs> oh, it'd be kind of cool to, you know, get a sailboat again. Then it was like, oh, I kind of want to just be able to go straight to my destination. And then I was like, oh, it'd be cool to stay at the islands for a weekend. So then... Yeah, I actually ended up finding this boat. Um, and so it's definitely one of those, you know, I can spend a weekend out out at the islands um, and, you know, fish, surf, spearfish, oh, man. whatever you want, really. <laughs> yeah. In a few months, I'm going to um, I'm going to assert I'm going to insert myself in some trip you do. I, this, this sounds so awesome. Definitely, man. I mean, with the summer coming up, it's already it's already hot right now. So it's like it's a yeah. perfect time to, to get out on the water. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Um, so in terms of f- photography, 
When did that interest start for you? Was it purely born out of being around church and cameras or is this totally separate? Um, I think it had, it definitely had uh, the church aspect and in, in the kind of tech side of that um, had a little bit to do with it. But I think it really came on when um, I was living in Hawaii and uh, I had uh, a couple friends out there that were amazing photographers and, and videographers, cinematographers. Um, Jeremy Snell is one of them and, and Wes Hodge, like, uh, they're just amazing, amazing photographers and, and cinematographers. And I just like, it really kind of captured me. And they were, sh- um, one of my friends, Wes Hodge, he was actually uh, shooting on film. So 35 millimeter, um, old school. And uh, he he talked me into buying my first camera, which was a 35 millimeter Nikon FM2. And uh, it was one of those things, a lot of people thought it was kind of weird because most people you just buy a digital camera. You can point and shoot and then go on with your life. But it was like, uh, my friend Wes really encouraged me to to shoot film because it takes a lot more of you know understanding the mm. aspects of photography from lighting and you know your shutter speed, your ISO, um, your f stop, and knowing you know how to really capture a, a moment and not just you know point click and mm. then walk away. So uh, it started in 2015, I'd say, and then it just kind of grew from there. The recent uh, Ventura March that you had taken photos um, of, was that film or was that digital? That was digital. Yeah, I still have my film camera. I take it out for different shoots, just kind of like mellow ones. But definitely for for the last three protests that I've been to, um, they've all Mm -hmm. been uh, digital. What's your response to people who say that photography is easy? Anyone with an iPhone can be a photographer what do you say to those people or what do you think about that kind of question? No, oh, I, I 100% agree with them. You know, photography is easy to an extent. You know, it's anybody can take a photo on their iPhone and, and anybody can be a photographer. But what I think what makes it, um, what kind of draws me in um, when it comes to photography is is really understanding the fact that like, yeah, anybody can get this shot but can any everybody get this shot and just like being able to like really look for those shots that like nobody else is getting or that nobody else can get, or, you know, just really looking for those moments that, that capture an emotion. And so, I mean, it's so easy to just point your camera and click, but it's like, you know, sometimes it just takes like being in that like right spot at the right time and like (laughs) taking that photo right right at the right second. (laughs) And so I think that's really what like, you know, I kind of chase after in a sense. So say for, for instance, you're at, you, you know, you're on your way home from the Ventura March, you're in the car driving. Do you sort of know what you have on the SD card or is it just a surprise to you as soon as you, you know, open up the files and look at them? I definitely have a specific, like I, I, I know that I took a lot of photos that day. And then when I was on my way home, I already knew because I, I want to be able to like really be on top of posting and, and really just getting, you know, these yeah. images out so that, you know, I just want to share with people, you know, what it was like and, and what happened that day. And so I knew um, that there were certain times um, in certain photos, as soon as I took them, it was kind of like, I kind of like stored it in my little, little library of like photos that I knew that I really mm. wanted to use. And so um, as soon as I sat down and I dumped all the photos onto my computer um, I basically just went to kind of like those times in the day and I looked for those oh, specific yeah. photos. And so uh, I try to pull those first, the ones that I know <laughs> for a fact that I really want. And then after that, I'll kind of go 
photo by photo and just, you know, keep and delete um, the rest and kind of sort through them that way. Do you, do you have a feeling of, so obviously, you know, you might've taken, I don't know, 500, 200, I don't know how many pictures, but a lot of pictures that day. Do you have this feeling of having to kill your darlings and narrow it down to whatever it is, 20, 50 photos? Yeah, no, that, I think that's definitely what's hard is, you know, I, um, to be honest, like that day I took over a thousand photos. Oh, wow. um, I was there from like 12, 12 in the afternoon and I was there for about four, three or four hours. Um, and man, I was, uh, it was hot that day and I was running <laughs> all over the place from like the back of the march to the front to the middle to like all over. So I definitely, I sort through it and it, it's one of those things just like the reality is that, you know, I'll take over a thousand photos, I'll delete, you know, probably more than half of those. And then it's like, there's still maybe a hundred or 200 photos that I really like and I want to keep, but in reality, mm-hmm. like I'm only gonna post on, um, at least on my social media, um, I'm only going to post like, you know, yeah, 30, 40, 50 photos. And so it is kind of hard yeah. because it's like, it's hard to choose your favorites, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I don't want to just bombard with like all these photos. So it, yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's a great point to make. I, um, and, and I don't know, I don't know that it's a bad thing. I'll just say this about it. Um, that I, you know, there are a few photographers that I see post, um, and they post, so much, so many, so often, and they could all be great photos. I'm not saying they're even bad photos. I'm just saying, I wonder if quality is better than quantity when it comes to photography, just because if you're posting thousands and thousands of photos in, in a period of you know three days, is does that sort of numb people to the artwork? Yeah, I think it can. Um, it is definitely hard because I, I follow different accounts to where like, you know, I, I do feel like it's just like, you know, oh my gosh, like I've already seen like, I feel like, you know, hunt, like, you know, 60 photos from like the same photo shoot. Like I wish there was like something mm-hmm. else. Um, but uh, at the same time, I, I guess it just really depends on the subject matter. I mean, if it's like a family photo shoot, like I, I, you know, it's like, yeah, it'd be awesome to see like, you know, two, three photos and, you know, oh, cool. Like, you know, what a gorgeous family photo shoot. And then it's like, you know, with, with something, I don't know, I feel like protests are a little more like, okay, yeah, like, I really want to see more. I want to know more. I want to like, yes, experience yes. more of like that day. So I, I feel like a lot of it comes down to like the subject matter and, and what's, mm. you know, what is the subject and, you know, is it something that people are really engaging with right now? And do they want to know about what was going on, the, at, you know, when that photo was taken? I get this feeling sometimes when I like go to an event, say even the, the, pro, the recent protests where I'll take pictures on my phone and I'm trimming down. So if I took a hundred, I'm trimming them down to 10 or whatever. And there's a lot of situ- a lot of a, a lot of times where I'll take maybe five, ten photos in the span of three seconds, where I'm click, 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 mm-hmm. and then I'm looking them over and I'm struggling between two or three of them. You know, wh- which one is the perfect frame? What what aspects or features of say a situation like that help you decide which is better? Is it like lighting? The, the subtlety of the expression in, in one photo or the other, what helps you decide between two photos that are nearly identical? Yeah. So, so luckily when it comes down to like, you know, cause I do the same thing, you know, usually if I'm pointing my camera at someone or something, I'm usually taking like more than one photo. I'll take like a few photos. 
and like the lighting is is easy to decide because it's pretty much going to be consistent. It was taken within like a fraction of a second, uh, sense, yes. you know. So that's like you know no no big issue. I think for me, it's definitely the emotion that that um, you know it kind of evoke or provokes. It's just like you know when I because facial expressions like you know they happen fast. You know when when somebody's um, especially at the march um, in these protests, it's like you know when somebody's like you know yelling into the microphone, you know you get a lot of different emotions in a very short amount mm. of time. And so for me, I think it's like, you know, the photos that really show the emotion of what's happening in that moment, because I don't, you know, I don't always want to just show people that are just like standing there with their masks on. And it's kind of hard to know, like, are they like right. really into this or are they just kind of like, you know, there for, you know, just for the heck of it. And so it's definitely the emotion that, that I see on, on, you know, whoever I'm taking a photo of, like, I think that's really what I try to decide on because, you know, I want people to kind of experience, you know, that it was a passionate day and you can tell it from their, you know, their expression or, or their look. Yeah. Do you, do you think that photos um, are, how can I say this? Do you think that photos really can capture emotion and, and meaning to where, not to the point where two people think the same exact thing about the photo, but is there really such a thing as a photo really conveying real emotion? I think, I honestly think there is. Um, there's definitely been, and I think that's part of like what I love about photography is, um, you know, I know that there have been photos in the past that like, you know, as soon as I saw it, it was like, I, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to capture those moments. Like I, I felt like I was like, you know, a part of that moment when I saw, you know, Nat Geo, obviously everybody knows, you know, National yes. Geographic and, and obviously their photography page is, is, you know, they just post, you know, photos from all these different things around the world. And a lot of those photos that I see on there, like those are, you know, a lot of those I've, I've, it's kind of like, um, you know, you see certain things and it, it just makes you want to get up and mm. like do something about it. Or it's like you, it right. makes you want to like, take action. And so I, I definitely believe that photos can have that effect, you know, it's, and it's powerful when it does, because it's like, there's no voice telling you how you should feel. There's no like, you know, sign saying, you know, this is what's going on and what you need to do about it. It's just like, you see this photo and it's just like, you feel like there's something that needs to be done and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of stir something inside of you. I get that a lot. I follow, I think it's just Nat Geo on um, Instagram. Mm -hmm. I follow Nat Geo and I follow a lot of safari photography, um, you know, uh, a, a, a pack of painted dogs taking down a, a, a buffalo or something, um, you know, all, and and it's so those photos can be so intense. I mean, they're, they're sort some of them are gory, but it's so raw, like the, the moments that these photographers are capturing are so raw and real. And it, it, it's so down to earth. Like I, I look at this photo of just like a dog with a, a spine in its mouth, you know, some deer spine in its mm -hmm. mouth. And it's like not just a photo. It's not just like a gory photo, but it communicates this greater concept of just existing in nature. And I, I can't even explain it. So I, I'm just saying that I really feel moved by photography, too. And I, and I can't really articulate why. You know, with photography and, and doing nonprofit work, you know, a part of, you know, being able to tell a story about what, what I'm doing in Asia and why am I there is is being able to, like, use photography and, and show people, 
you know, this is, these are the people that I'm working with, you know, this is what I'm doing and where I'm at. And people love, you know, photography because it, it really creates like this connection regardless of where it is, like whether you're in, you know, the Savannah taking photos of on a safari or whether you're in uh, Southeast Asia taking photos of, uh, you know, this African jungle or, or I mean, not African, but Asian jungle or something. It's just one of those things that it kind of transports you to this place. So I, I definitely think that, you know, photography has that kind of power. What motivated you to take photos of the protests that, you know, it's, you know, obviously it's only been a couple of weeks since they've been going on, but what, what was in you that made you want to go out and, and shoot this? Uh, so I think uh, what really like the initial like, oh, man, I really want to like go take photos of protests. Like I want to capture these kind of moments is um, I follow a photographer and I feel so bad because I can't remember his his name. But I see his stories all the time. And he's uh, he's a photographer that he's he's been in. Uh, he was in Hong Kong for. Um, the protests in Hong Kong. He's wow. been all over the world. Like he's an amazing photographer and um, and reporter. Um, but I, for the most part, I mean, I don't know that much about him. But I'm pretty sure he's just freelance. And so I really started seeing his photos and seeing his stories on Instagram. And I was just like, you know, I love this kind of like storytelling where it's just like, you know, it just kind of shows, you know, what's really going on. Like, yeah, we can watch, you know, ABC, NBC, you know, all these different news. Um, channels fox and cnn but it's like to to see somebody who's just like literally going live on instagram it's like mm. i don't know it's just something that's that kind of draws me in a little bit more but um when i started seeing his stuff i really wanted to to kind of go out and and take photos and and you know kind of check things out and then uh my close friend aaron kajumba he uh he messaged um a couple of us uh friend we we all three of us do photography videography and he messaged our group chat on Instagram with mm. like a flyer for one of the protests. I believe it was like the Saturday, uh, maybe one or two Saturdays ago, uh, a protest down in Oxnard. And so I met up with him and, you know, we took photos and stuff. And then that led to me taking photos on the Wednesday protest right after that. And then that led into Ventura um, this last Sunday. I, I have, I think I went to all of those. I've been to two in Oxnard where there was actually a march to the police stations I went yep. to two of those recently and then the Ventura one the other day. And I was um, trying to capture audio from these events, any speeches I could get. And I I, I have I, this. I, I think I have photos going. of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm, I'm probably standing there looking like a nosy uh, SOB with my phone out. Um, and I, I just had this, like, I reflect on those days and – and I know I don't I don't think this is the case, but this is sort of my insecurity coming out. And I'm sort of trying to capture these moments, too, in my own way, just the people's voices and stuff. And I'll come home and I and I wonder to myself, like, is this good? Not not good quality. But what I, what I mean by good is, is this work worth doing? Are people going to understand where I'm coming from? Are people going to think I'm just being exploitative? Are people going to think I'm just chasing clout do you have any insecurities like that about your involvement in these protests oh yeah no definitely i i know that like w before i went to my first protest to take photos you know I, that was kind of one of the things i was worried about is like you know i didn't want to come off as like you know i'm not going to go post these photos just because like you know it's something that is going to draw attention to my in my social media or whatever it was just like i think 
because I've been in in the nonprofit humanitarian kind of side of things mm. for so long and, and knowing how impactful, you know, these, you know, photos, photos of, of these kinds of things can be. Um, I just really wanted to be able to capture moments because it is a part of history. Um, it's not just like a, you know, just a one and done kind of thing. Like, I feel like this is such a big deal because it's a global thing. It's a global movement. It's a national movement, statewide, a countywide kind of movement to where it's like, you know, these are special times where it's, it's very unique in history and it's very unique within Ventura County. And so I wanted to be able to capture these kinds of moments. And um, I just, the first time I went out there, it was, I was kind of hesitant, but uh, it just kind of got to a point where I was just like, you know, I want to be able to take these photos so that people can really see what's going mm-hmm. on and see that, that there, there are people who are passionate about seeing justice and seeing change. And, um, you know, as, as hard as it may be when it comes to just trying to decide. And I've seen a lot of people post on their stories, whether they're doing podcasts or they're, I I actually just saw somebody recently, they posted on their story, just wondering, Hey, is it weird if I just post my normal Instagram photos that have nothing to do with like, you know, um, you know, protests or anything? Cause I feel like it's inappropriate at this time. And, you know, a lot of people are in that place where they just don't right. know, you know, how to approach certain things. But I just kind of figured, you know, I want to be able to capture these moments that are, you know, hopefully going to, you know, inspire people to, to use their voice and use their talents and their gifts to, to, you know, bring change or, you know, whatever it may be. And so, yeah, it is, it is tough, though. Yeah, I yeah, I totally know what you mean. Um, that's sort of how I feel, too. Like, I like in, in some way, of course, I want to keep working. I, I, you know, it does feel weird to post ordinary things. Like I don't want to, like, for instance, the last uh, interview that I posted before the movement sort of got steam was uh, with a white woman who is like a, has a doctorate and works at a university. And it's like the polar opposite of who should be heard right now. As, as, as inspired as I was by her, um, that was the last one I did. And then I've really started focusing on uh, people of color, the movement. I want to participate somehow in what's happening. And that's that's the main reason why I think I, I don't feel so bad about continuing with, with the work I'm doing. Because there's like a phrase out there that I've been seeing um, related to these, to protesting and the movement. And it's something to this effect that, it there there are multiple lanes. You can't, you know, not everybody can physically protest. Maybe the way you're involved is by donating. Maybe it's by sharing information, checking in on your family, checking in on on your friends that are people of color. And uh, you might feel a similar way. And I feel that this is what I can contribute, uh, finding out what the voices in this movement are saying and how and how they feel. Um, do you have that sense about yourself that this is your way of participating in this movement? Yeah, no, I definitely feel that, that it's definitely my, I want to be like, I just don't want to go in and just kind of like keep shouting, you know, these, um, you know, different things, which I definitely agree with and, you know, and I do, but it, at the same time, it's like, I have a talent that I feel like is something that can be used to really tell a story. And to be completely honest, you know, as a photographer and videographer, like, I feel like we have a responsibility, especially um, when it comes to just telling a story that that really shows, you know, what's really going on. Because I've seen photos that um, as a creator and as a photographer, they really bummed me out because 
Um, unless you're a photographer, you, you won't understand the fact that like some of these photos are taken so far out of context. And um, there was one specific photo that really just like um, bummed me out in the sense of like, you know, I saw it posted in, in the story underneath of it. It's just like, you know, this, this, this. And um, it, if you look at the photo, like there's so much to it to where, you know, the subject is, you know, a father and a son and the boy is sitting on the dad's shoulders. And then um, to the right of them um, is a police officer with like a, a tear gas gun or something. And Oh, I've seen I've seen that photo. Yes. So so for me, I genuinely, genuinely believe that like if you actually really look at the photo, like, um, you know, from the father and like the son on his shoulders, the depth, you know, the, the father and son are closer ah. to the photographer. The police officer is further back and like his eyes, like they don't, they're not like looking at the father and son. So it's like, wow. This, like I am, and, and honestly, like, I, I know that like, you know, some people may be offended by that or, or not agree with it. And that's understandable. Like, I don't know. I wasn't there to take the photo. I wasn't there around when it was you know taken, but I genuinely, from my experience in photography and all that, I just don't believe that like, you know, that photo was portrayed in a right way. Like, um, I don't think that was mm. the situation. And so as a photographer, it's hard because, you know, things, if, if like you can get really creative and you can like, I can make things seem to be one way when they're really not, you know, it just takes the right angle, the right, you know, you know, lens, the focal length, like to make something look like it is or isn't. And so as a photographer, I feel like, you know, especially for those of us who are just freelance, you know, we have an opportunity, like we don't, we're not required by anybody to you know, take certain photos so that they can post something that looks a certain way, you know? And so I think for, for me, I think it, it's, it kind of comes down to that is like, just feeling like, you know, I want to, you know, do my part in just telling a true story of, you know, what I'm experiencing at these rallies and protests and marches and um, just kind of sharing, you know, what I'm seeing and, you know, whether it's good or bad, like, I just want to, you know, show people like, this is just what I've experienced. Yeah. And, and now that you're mentioning it, um, I, I, now I, now I, I sort of am, am seeing a big picture here now. Um, I think back to say the, the civil rights movement of the sixties, what would we know about it? Maybe, maybe the news is capturing a lot of stuff too, but I, I'm, I'm thinking that if the photographers aren't out there, the videographers aren't out there, the, the reporters aren't out there, how else are we going to refer to this in the future? So I, I think it is very important mm -hmm. that you're out there, that 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 people are out there documenting this. Otherwise, it just becomes a story lost in time somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's definitely one of those things where like we live in a day and age where it's like, you know, the amount of information that you can put out in like a very short period of time is like, it's unbelievable. And so to be able to be a part of like taking, you know, photos from like something that, you know, was very powerful, like the Ventura protest, where I mean, there's probably, I think they said over 1200 people. And it was like, you know, I want to be able to like, you know, utilize my skill set and, and the things that I'm passionate about to be able to like take photos, go home, and, and basically get those, you know, posted and, and out there so people can kind of see, you know, this is what it was like. This is what's happening. And, and just to kind of share and be another voice um, or a different form of a voice. Has anybody uh, reached out or commented on the fact that you're 
showing people's faces, their, therefore their identities. And I asked that because I recently posted a few things and someone commented like, hey, like these people are super identifiable and cops have been known to give tickets or to target these people. Have you had any issues with that? So nobody's asked, and I make it very clear, you know, if, if somebody was ever to ask me, hey, like, I need you to take this photo down, like, you know, I would take it down immediately. And and I have had that conversation. I've talked to, to a number of other photographers and, and people kind of like in the same field and because we all ex- kind of express the same concerns. Um, and so it was like, it's really hard because, you know, being in a, like a public place, it's, it is you know, there's, there's really nothing that's holding us back from taking a photo right. of, of people outdoors and stuff. But at the same time, we have had that conversation about like, you know, um, not even cops, but um, somebody brought up like, what if, you know, it's, there's like, you know, a, a KKK member, like, you know, somebody of like that kind of like, um, you know, group or something that might want to just like utilize fo- these kind of photos to target people. And and it's been yeah. really tough, um, but at the same time, um, you know, I think a lot of us really just came to the to the conclusion that, like, you know, we want to be able to tell this story, you know, that in its truest form, in in a way that's going to be honoring to, you know, it's a lot of people that go out there, you know, a lot of people that that take time out of their day to go to these, you know, marches and rallies and protests, like, you know, they want to be heard and they want people to know that, like, you know, we're not just showing up with like, you know, five people. It's like we're twenty you know, 1200 <laughs> strong. And so right. it is kind of hard, but I, I have, um, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback from a lot of people about the photos from the last three po- protests. And, um, a lot of people have asked for their photos cause they want to post them on their own social media. Mm. Um, but you know, it is one of those things where like, you know, if anyone was to approach me about like, you know, that kind of issue, I would have no problem with taking photos down and, and being more mindful of, of how to, you know, how to choose, you know, what to and to not post. But uh, I haven't had anyone um, approach me or message me about it yet. Yeah, I, I've i sort of come to the con- the same conclusion, basically. I well, The way I see it is, um, yeah, if somebody tells me, like, dude, yeah, no problem, take it down. Uh, with what I'm doing, where I'm uh, recording audio, um, first of all, I just, I just don't even want to know who's speaking. Or, of course, I do want to know who's speaking, but I don't list who's speaking because it's just easy. It's just easy for me to not have to mention that. It's just audio. It's less of a risk in my mind than yeah. like a photo, which is more clearly um, identifiable. Uh, but I've sort of concluded that by being there in the first place, that sort of um, assumes that it, it assumes that that you're okay with people taking photos or, you know, you're in a public arena is what I'm getting at. Um, So to be surprised that you're in a photo maybe doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely, it's, it's, it's always going to be one of those things where you're just kind of like unsure, but at the same time, like, you know, I don't want to live in fear of posting something that I feel is like, you know, telling a story of, of a movement or of something that is, you know, people are passionate about this. And, and so I would hate to, to just be so fearful of, of this mm. and that. And, then, you know, the list can go on and on. But, you know, if, um, you know, I, I you know, I'm going to continue to post, you know, photos from, you know, the protests and, and the ones that, that I go to um, in the future. And then, you know, if, if anyone has any issues, I, you know, I have no problem with, with adjusting and, and taking stuff down and, you know, posting different things. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot of people want, you know, they want these photos out there. They want to be, you know, 
you know, a part of like sharing, you know, this kind of this powerful, powerful story. I've seen a few photos. Um, they they might have even been yours. I'm not sure, but it was from the first. Uh, no, sorry, it was from the second Oxnard protest that I went to, and it was the protest where at some point it ended up at I think it's called like Five Point Intersection yep. Five in points, Oxnard. Yeah. And there was sort of something of a standoff. There were police officers on motorcycles and then the crowd. And I saw a photo where the the uh, photographer had to have been behind the officers and through between the officers, you see the crowd. So what that means is the photographers walked right through the police officers or around them. And and I just imagined how how frightening that is and i say that because as soon as i saw those car uh, cops pull up i got a little nervous even though they weren't close by it's tense so so i wonder do you feel threatened or fearful at all in that kind of situation where you're sort of documenting these things and you're near police officers um at that moment um because i it might have been my photo. I do have a photo where I um, I started off when it first got to five points. I was kind of like on the side where the cops were further back. And yes, uh, yes. I took a photo of like the, the huge line of people on their knees. Um, and so that one, I was between the protesters and the cops. And I didn't go <laughs> behind the cops on that point because they were so far back. But I started to see the crowd kind of start moving to the right. And I realized the cops were a lot closer right there. So I kind of, I ran, like, I, yeah, I, I, like, sprinted over in that direction, and I started off, off to the side, and then I kind of, like, crossed between the protesters and the cops, but eventually I made my way behind them, and, uh, and then I started taking photos, because, I, I mean, I felt like that perspective was just really powerful to, to yes. you know, see, and it was kind of tense um, at first, and, um, you know, I, in that moment, I don't think I really thought much about it, because... I've always just kind of felt like, you know, just fake it till you make it. Like if they see you, you're just mm. taking photos then they're just going to like assume that like, yeah, this kid's just taking photos for, you know, I don't know, whoever, like a news media or something like that. So I just yeah. like try to like do whatever I want until somebody says like, <laughs> go over here or do that or don't do that. But um, it was a tense um, moment. Um, actually, when those cops actually left, um, I was still behind them. And uh, one of the motorcycle cops, I was... And it, it obviously, like, you know, I was in the middle of the street, but, like, he kind of whipped around real fast. And he, um, I almost wow. kind of got clipped by him. Um, but, uh, and I don't blame him. Like, he was, you know, I'm literally standing in the middle of the road. But um, it was a tense moment. And uh, I was definitely glad to capture, because some of those photos are, are definitely some of my favorites in the sense of just, like, you know, I felt like they, they really showed um, a powerful um, message, you know, in those, especially oh, yeah. the five points, because, you know, it's very recognizable. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it might've been your photo that I saw immediately after that, the, we, we walked through the alley. Are we mm -hmm. thinking of the same moment? Yeah. Yeah. We, well, they, I guess they, they wanted to keep going straight towards the cops, but then, and yeah, they just, yeah, we made that weird detour through the alley. <laughs> Yeah, and there were people like on their balconies, like taking photos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Matthew, it's been really nice talking to you. Um, I, you're, I, I always, I love more than anything, maybe when the person that I talk to ends up being like a hundred times more interesting. Like I didn't know you raced boats or went to Cambodia or anything like that. So, 
And so it, it's always such a great, it's always such a nice feeling to, it's a surprise for me. Um, I just have one more question for you and you can answer it any way you like. Uh, Matthew, who are you? I feel like, you know, I'm simply a faith-filled 28-year-old kid who just loves to take photos and capture moments that tell a story, whether that's through videography or photography. Mm -hmm.